RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. Several years ago, cardiologist Dr Geoffrey Toogood was in a very dangerous place. A number of personal challenges surfaced at the one time and, coupled with overwhelming stress at work, he found he couldn't sleep, he felt trapped and he'd lost all motivation. He knew he was becoming vulnerable mentally, which led him to see a psychologist who diagnosed him with depression. It was a godsend. The diagnosis allowed him access to behavioural therapy tools, which helped turn his life around. Today, Dr Toogood is an ambassador for Beyond Blue and shares his experience with others to raise awareness about mental illness. He tells Nicole Goodman he'd experienced mental health issues for many years. Early on in my career and life, I had suffered from anxiety, which I have got treatment for, managed mainly with cognitive behaviour therapy and my own other practices. Was only on medication for a short period of time and basically resolved that issue for a long period of time. And then because of a multitude of issues sort of in middle-aged life, I had a severe depressive episode. You know, work-related, personal-related, life-related, which is not uncommon for most people, but particularly middle-aged men. And that led me to become severely depressed and requiring a short period of time off work while I sought some therapy, counselling, some treatment, and my own sort of processes to stay well. Once I recovered, I'm able to work back in essentially full-time practice, do all the things I normally do, being careful to look after myself, knowing that potentially I'm more vulnerable perhaps because I've had it, but I'm still well enough to practice, lead a full life. And why do you think that mental health should be a priority for the public and for legislators? Well, there's a number of reasons. I think mental health issues are becoming a growing problem in the community generally. As far as, and unfortunately, you know, we're seeing a lot, an increased suicide rate, an attempted suicide rate, which is tragic, so that it has to be a priority. Those that are kind of okay to seek local help and get some easy treatment will recover. Those that are critically ill get treatment in hospital and there's the kind of missing middle, which is where you need the advocacy, where do you send people that are discharged from hospital? And that's a problem for government and legislators. From a financial point of view, mental health issues cost organisations about $60 billion a year. So it's a financial impost as well. So it's workplace related, it's community related, and it's at the level of the person related. So what do you think's needed to remove the stigma around mental health? I think one of the most important things is the more people that share their story and share their vulnerability, it'll break down the stigma. We're seeing it a lot more perhaps in sport where a lot of sports players, men and women, have shared their stories and that they seem to be embraced a little bit more in their team culture or their culture of their organisation. And that certainly breaks down the stigma because here's people competing at elite levels that have to deal with it on a daily basis and they're successful. That breaks down the stigma. Often they're big, bulky men. And so often big men aren't perceived as having mental health issues. And so the more 
you know, AFL footballers, rugby league players, cricketers that are kind of masculine in the sense to share the story, particularly for men, is important. But for both men and women, it's become an issue. I think in medicine, we still stigmatise mental health. I'm not sure we've broken down the barriers well and embracing the vulnerability of us as individuals in a very difficult system. It's viewed as a weakness rather than something that's human. So I think the most important thing is people sharing the lived experience with mental health, particularly prominent people, is a very powerful way to break down the stigma. So then following on from that, in the workplace, what can people do to manage their own health and also keep a lookout for their colleagues? I hate to say it, but you kind of need a work-life balance, but that's kind of a poor term. It's very difficult to do. I think you need to work out ways that you can stay mentally well and look after yourself. And that often is only simple things. It may be making sure you spend time with your family and friends, trying to get home on time, trying not to bring your work home, having time for your interests. So that's sort of like in a personal toolbox and everyone needs to kind of develop their own toolbox to stay well, whatever it may be. In the workplace, we need to allow that to occur so that particularly for younger doctors, but also for older doctors as well, their working hours need to be reasonable. There need to be supports around exam times for the people sitting exams, which is very stressful. There needs to be maybe more thought given to part-time training or time, you know, reducing training, particularly for women that are having families where you may need to, you know, have some maternity leave and, and factor that in. They're sort of what the workplace to do. And the workplace has got to kind of be authentic in it. You need to give an authentic toolbox and embrace support. And that's what I think. The organisations that seem to do well are the ones where they have some key people sharing their vulnerability and their lived experience and you have leaders within the organisation that are authentic, strong, honest leaders in this space and then it'll work. Looking out for your colleagues, well, they're kind of simple things. I mean, you can get, you know, are you okay, Lifeline, Beyond Bill have all these really simple things to work out. And that may be that, you know, college's mood's changed or they're not turning up to meetings or they're not turning up to social functions or they just seem out of sorts. And the simplest thing is you don't need to kind of do a psych exam on them. You just kind of ask how they're going, what's going on, and they may share it or they may not. Because sometimes it is a bit overwhelming for people. They're not really sure how to ask, what to say, what to look for. But a kind of change in behaviour, if you're concerned, you know, sometimes it's a gut feeling, you don't think someone's well, sometimes you may just need to directly ask. Often if someone's really unwell, they're glad someone's asked them how they're feeling and what can I do. You may not be the therapist and you probably don't need to be the therapist, but you can direct someone to where to go and to get support. And so what are the support systems and the tools that are available well, I think they're evolving. You know, three or four years ago, I'm not sure they existed in a great sense, but there are an increasing number of tools and supporting systems that are becoming available. All the major mental health charities and organisations have a number of support tools on them. Beyond Blue has their support systems under workplace 
and have developed, you know, a kind of a really nice set of systems to support your workers. Are you okay? Is developed some. So a lot of organisations outside have done all the work, so organisations can do that. So, for instance, Beyond Blue, a major mental health organisation, has a heads-up program which is easily found on their website, which gives toolkits mainly generally for workplaces, general workplaces, but can be applicable in the health sector. They also have developed some toolkits specifically for health and hospitals as well. So they're all free, easily downloadable. Resources can be obtained for them if people are looking for them and they've done a lot of the work for you. Hospitals are starting to develop it around those sort of systems. Hospitals have employee assistance programs which you can seek and a number of hospitals are developing mental health first aid workers, which is just training people in simple things such as the same sort of thing as normal first aid or normal CPR or normal other advanced life support, which we may do in a hospital. They're training people on what to do if they're concerned about a colleague and what to do. So I think there's an evolving group of tools. Most of the colleges are starting to develop their own programs and their own toolkits specific to the training programs or the the craft groups they're looking after because it's slightly different, although you know it's the same, same, but different with regard to each craft group. So some of it's within the organisation. Some of it you can get from outside the organisation and some you can get by yourself looking up what to do and what to do to support yourself. For me, um, my own personal things is kind of simple things. You know, it's time with friends, making sure I exercise, make sure I get sleep, Make sure I eat well. In some senses, we're trying to make rocket science out of simple things and it's staying connected with someone, which is what doing things outside of work and with your friends and playing sport does. Exercise keeps you fit. It's good for your mental health, physical health. Eating well is the same. Sleep is also important. Difficult, I know, for some of those, if you're on call and getting called, I don't know how you solve that. That's kind of part of the system. You have to learn what I do now after a period of on-call is I make sure I factor in some quieter days after so I can get my sleep cycle back and recover. Mm. And so then do you have a message for those listening who may feel unable to reach out for help and support? I think the most important contact for everybody should be their local doctor. They're the person that's got your back essentially. And so they would be the most important person to reach out to. You don't need to ne- even reach out to friends within the medical system. Talking to people outside may be better. They may be, give you a clearer and more open discussion about what's going on rather than you know within the kind of silo or within the situation you are in medicine. The most important thing when you have a mental health problem is realising you need to get help and getting it. That is like 90% of the step. It is very hard to because when I initially reached out for help, I thought, how could I have a mental health problem? How could I have this? What is wrong with me? And I was kind of embarrassed. But you shouldn't feel that. You should feel like a significant proportion of the population will have mental health issues. That doesn't mean you're weak. It just means you're going through a tough time. So as tough as it is, that's the most important thing you can do is to go and seek help. Dr. Jeff Too Good, 
If you're experiencing mental health issues or you need someone to talk to, call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 4636. If you're in New Zealand, you can call Lifeline on 0800 543 354. Details are in the show notes. Rack's Post-Op Podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.